Ushers, we appreciate your ministry, church. Um, we thank you for your liberality here uh, this evening. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 119. Psalms, chapter 119. You guys hot? Gosh, it's cold. All right. Psalms chapter 119, verses 9 through 13. We thank you for your faithfulness here tonight to our evening service. Wonderful spirit, man. Worship felt real good today. So praise God for that. Psalms 119, verses 9 through 13. A recently licensed pilot was flying his private plane on a cloudy day. He was not very experience in instrument landing when the control tower was to bring him in for a landing he started thinking of the hills and the towers and the buildings in the area and began to get panicky the last thing you want is to be in a plane when you're panicky in a very calm but stern voice the command center came through and spoke to the pilot and said this and i want you to hear me out they said you just obey instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. You just obey instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. And I believe that is such an incredible statement that we can parallel into this in our spiritual walk with God. It is not our job to remove, or at least fully, to remove the obstructions and the junk that causes us to be impure. At times we fight the wrong fights. We blame everything around us. But to achieve purity, say with me, purity. To achieve our purity, all we are called to do is obey God and his instructions. Psalms 119 verses 9 through 13 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word with my whole heart i seek you let me not wander from your commandments i have stored up your word in my heart that i may not sin against you blessed are you O lord teach me your statutes with my lips i declare all the rules of your mouth i want to preach a sermon tonight take a few minutes of your time that i've entitled pursue purity Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment you've given us. God, I pray by the Holy Ghost you will help us here tonight, God, to become men and women who are pursuing purity, God, that are pursuing, pursuing holiness, Father, seeking everything that you are, Lord, that we put righteousness first above everything. God, I pray that you will help us, Lord. I do not come in my talents or abilities. I have full confidence in you, not in my flesh, God. I pray, speak to us this evening. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is the walking dead. So what is purity? Purity is freedom from anything that contaminates. Purity is the quality of being faultless, uncompromised, or unadulterated. People who like jewelry, they'll pay good money for purity good gold there's cheap gold there's there's good gold and it all has to do with how pure it is the process that it went through a lot of nations today are struggling 
in their health and struggle in their life expectancy is low because they are they don't have pure water if you've ever traveled abroad if you've gone outside of the united states you quickly learn how to appreciate pure water the fact that water at least pure water is accessible it's ready there for you in america we can buy water very easily if you're like me, you grew up and you used to drink water out of a water hose. How many of you guys used to do that? We're alive. We're alive. We're good. If you did that outside of America, you probably wouldn't be here. We appreciate and many times even take it for granted, the purity in water. Pure water is free from any other substance. Purity is important to God. It's not a side subject. It's not something that gets overlooked. But it is something that is of, of importance. Purity is often used in scripture to communicate holiness or perfection. When Moses was building the tabernacle, God specified that the lampstand and other items inside the holy place be made of pure gold. Exodus chapter 25 verses 31 and 32. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. And what he means there, he says, nothing else, I want gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work, its base, its stem, its cups, its um, calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. And there shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the lampstand out of the other side of it. God is a God of detail. And he sees this, it's purity that he's looking for. The oil used in the tabernacle, tabernacle was to be pure, as was the frankincense. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil. Say with me, pure. Pure oil from beaten olives from the, uh, for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. Our Bible teaches us that the Lord has pure eyes. If it, uh, that's um, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, and speaks pure words. Psalms 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Purity is important. And I believe purity is one of the main reasons why people fail to see all that God has for them. I was in, um, in Honduras, and I was speaking to one of the, um, the leaders in Central America. His name is Otoniel Rodriguez. He's a pastor in, um, in Guatemala. He has the conference there. And we were speaking about revival, and one of the things that was brought up was the idea of purity. And we both agreed. He's made the statement. I was like, man, that is so true, that anytime revival is present, it is prefaced by purity. It is prefaced by a level of consecration, of cleanliness, in a place where purity is what needs to happen. So I believe many people in church, the problem is they might be in church, but they fail in being pure. So they're contaminated. How many of you guys have seen any zombie movies? 
The Walking Dead is a reference to a zombie movie or maybe even a show. I've actually never seen it. I just know that's what it is. Zombies are people who have been contaminated to the point of death. I believe in the house of God, and maybe not in this house of God, but I believe in other houses of God. They are walking dead. People who are here, they're in the service, but they have been contaminated by the world. So literally, spiritually, you're walking like this. Because you failed in purity. They might even have ministry. Maybe even be behind the pulpit every once in a while. But in their hearts, they lack purity. And purity is not something that God just looks over. As a matter of fact, the house of God, churches go through seasons of cleansing. Things that God begins to do, the Christian goes through moments where God looks at you and says, I have to purge, I have to cleanse, I have to touch your mind and I have to touch your heart. We go through processes if we can even say it that way, a process of purity. And every single one of us needs it. The problem is that we fight back many times. I want to move on to my second thought. That is purity versus salvation. Purity and salvation are two separate issues. Salvation is simply the acceptance of what Jesus did for us on that cross, the blood of Jesus is what saves every single one of us. I mean, if you guys believe that here tonight, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Salvation is nothing we do. It's not something that we orchestrated. From the beginning all the way to the point of salvation, it was God orchestrating. We sang this song this morning, Draw Me, Lord. That is scriptural. The Bible says he draws us onto the Father. It's nothing we do. It's understanding that we can't, that we can't do anything about our life and need Jesus to save us. Salvation is a gift given to us by God. Say with me, gift. You know, the problem with a gift is you can reject the gift. You guys ever given a gift and it's been rejected before? Doesn't, doesn't feel good. But you can reject this gift whenever you want. Purity is different than salvation. Purity is achieved through sanctification. Sanctification has to do with our obedience to God's word. Philippians chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began, began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the uh, defense in confirmation of the gospel. Think about that statement in verse 6. That he who began a good work, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion 
at the day of Jesus Christ. There's people here this evening, you're saying, I'm jacked up, I got a mess, my mind is messed up. God is still working on you. God is still trying to help you. Our sanctification is different than salvation. Our sanctification, on the other hand, is a moment-by-moment process, process that does not end until we leave this earth and stand in front of God. William Barclay gives us insight to the context of Paul's statement here in Philippians. He says There's a, there is a picture here in the Greek text which is not possible to reproduce in translation. The point is that the words Paul uses to begin and for the word complete are technical terms for the beginning and the ending of a sacrifice. It was when he began a sacrifice and it was when it was completely consumed. There was a process. See, when you brought a sacrifice to God, to the altar, you gave it, but you had to allow the fire to burn it. It's a process. See, purity is a matter of the heart. In our text, the psalmist asks a question. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And believe me, by young man, he means every single one of us here today. We'll read it in verse 9 through 13. How can a young man keep his way pure? And he answers the question. He says, by guarding, by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me. What a wonderful prayer. Teach me. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. It says guarding. The word guard here means to watch over in order to protect or in uh, in order to control. It says you will guard. You will guard your ways with the word of God. See, the problem many times is we cannot remain pure because we simply don't know what the word of God says. So ignorance becomes bliss. And it becomes something that begins to hurt us simply because we're lazy and studying the word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Purifying the heart is an action. It's a decision you make to guard your heart with obedience to his word. Rodmarker said this, he said, clean hands refers to a person's actions. Pure heart refers to an inner attitude. Purity is not achievable by some meditation method. I was speaking to, um, to a lady, I was talking to her about, um, I was witnessing to her, we were talking about the things of God, and she she was an older lady and she was saying how she travels and and um she asked me what I was doing what I did for a living so I was like yeah I'm a pastor and she's like oh I love God I I love God I love God she said it three times (laughs) and she and that last one she said it like what passion you know so she and then she went after that I believed her the third time by the way I was like this lady really loves God but then she said yeah, I used to follow this Indian guru on YouTube. 
He's like, that taught me how to meditate. He's like, and to this day, she's like, I meditate, and I meditate on God. You know, and she, she, <laughs> I could just picture her, you know, crossing her feet and going like this and floating. <laughs> Actually levitating. It's not a meditation method. It has nothing to do with you burning sage. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with worship music. It can't just be worship. Some people, they, you know, you fall, you fall into this trance of worship music. You're like, you're not praying. You're just, anyway, we can talk about that later, okay? It's not about emptying yourself. See, Christianity is more than just emptying yourself. God doesn't just come and remove things, but he adds things to you. The Bible speaks about you being a new creation, being born again. There's somewhere he gives you a new heart. It's a change. It's not just an emptying. The problem is a lot of people, they, they fall into a standstill in their relationship with God because all you do is empty. So your whole Christianity is dodging things. It's like if you're like running, right? And you're like, and that's your whole Christianity. Man, I almost died. Man, I almost fell for that girl. Man, I almost fell. And, and you, yeah, that's your whole Christianity. Never offense. Never go out and attack and have a strategy against the enemy. You're always running away. In boxing, that might work. Might just go like Floyd Mayweather and go undefeated. But you dance around the ring long enough against the enemy, it's going to get you. Purity is only achievable through obedience to his word. That's the only way to obey the word of God. Purity is important because it gets us closer to God the in, uh, Oswald Chambers says the insight that relates us to God arises from purity of heart, not from clearness of intellect. There's not enough books. There's not enough podcasts. You can put Jordan Peterson on repeat all day long. Purity comes through obeying the word of God. See, purity is God's standard. It's not ours. David is not speaking about a purity in a social construct. David is speaking about a purity to God's standard. How can a young man keep his way pure? Purity of the heart is unique to God. You cannot find purity out in the world. You cannot find purity in other religions. It is unique to God. I'm going to close my third point. How can a young man keep his way pure? Everyone longs for freedom. But for many, its pursuit leads to bondage. Any of the adults here, you remember being a teenager and saying, man, when I'm 18, what? Bruh, when I'm 18, I'm going to move out of this place. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. <laughs> then you did move out. Right? <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a lyric in one of the uh, a song that I listened to um, from Andy Minio. He says, when I was young, 
Everybody used to say, bro, you got potential. Now that I'm old, all they tell me is the rent's due. <laughs> That's life. Many times in pursuit of what we call freedom, we end up in bondage. There's a few illustrations I ran into. It says, a bird is free in the air, but place a bird in the water and he has lost his liberty. If fish is free in the water, but leave him on the sand and he perishes. He's out of his realm. A Christian is free when he does the will of God and is obedient to God's command. This is a natural realm for God's child. Like the water, like the fish in the water or the bird in the air. This is the realm we live in. But hear me out when I say this. I want every person to listen to me tonight. Purity is not cheap. Purity is not cheap. You're not going to wake up and drift towards holiness. You're not just going to one day stumble upon dominion over your mind and dominion over temptation, dominion over your finances, so just this purity in your life. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness. They don't gravitate towards prayer. You didn't, you didn't, when you turned 18 or maybe when your conscience came, you weren't like, you know what, I'm going to have a prayer life now. When you got saved, you didn't just wake up the next day and had a habit of reading your Bible. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we've escaped the legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we've been liberated. It will take everything you have to remain faithful to God's word. Jesus in the New Testament speaks about a moment that says about entering the kingdom of heaven. And he mentions people are going to force their way in. If you're going to make heaven your home, you're not going to skip your way in. I bet you most of you guys don't even know how to skip here. Let alone in the spiritual realm. We're going to force our way in. You know, spiritually speaking, remember when Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off? It's going to be really funny when, we, when we're in heaven and we're looking at ourselves and we're like missing limbs. You know, <laughs> plucked an eye out. You know, you're looking at, what happened? Oh, I know what happened, bro. I got you. <laughs> but we're in heaven. And that's just a joke. I know we can theologically speak about it. It's like, hey, we're not going to have bodies over We glorify bodies. I, I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> It will take everything you have to remain faithful to God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it with your word. Again, purity is not achievable without God. Although we're called to cooperate through obedience to his instructions, it is his work through us, not ours. 
We are the sacrifice on the altar that God purifies. The word of God is the living word of God. This means that it has the supernatural power to purify us. Consider Jesus' prayer for his disciples before he leaves. John chapter 17, verses 12 through 17, incredible statement. He says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14 says, I have given them what? Your word. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them. The word sanctify is the same word used for purity. Purify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You do yourself such a huge disfavor. We do ourselves such a huge disfavor when we don't read the word of God. You know, the word of God, the book of James says, is like a mirror. There's people here tonight, I don't doubt it, you are struggling with sin. And you have no clue about it because you don't read the word. So there's no mirror. There's nothing to look at. It's like whenever you eat beans and you have a little skin right here on your teeth and you never, you don't have a mirror around so you can't look at it so it takes somebody else, right? You ever been there? Oh, okay, I'm the only one. That, all right, that's fine. <laughs> and then I don't, nobody eats beans here. I get it, okay? This is a mirror. This is why you read your Bible sometimes. You open it and you're like, man, I shouldn't have opened it today. I'm going to preach to somebody today. Some, 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 somebody's going to be an honest with me tonight. You read it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to hell. I, I need help. <laughs> God, I need you to purify me. I need you to sanctify me. Jesus in our text in the book of John references a correlation between sanctification and the truth. He says, sanctify them in the truth. The truth hides nothing from you. See, the truth, the word of God, the living word of God, is what begins to purify you, begins to work, begins to take things out. He says, I have given them your word. It's not this inner feeling. It's not this emotional experience. I have given them your word. I've given them what you have told me. It was a simple Knowledge and revelation of God's character and commandments. Back to our main text. David, a man who we know as a man after God's own heart. Who we know as a man who's been on this other side of purity. And has have to find himself to a place of purity. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Don't tell me that you're living a pure life if you don't read your Bible. Don't tell me you're seeking God with all your heart 
if you're wandering away from his commandments. I was having a conversation with my son, and I apologize in advance to him because I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. He has no clue anyway, so leave him alone. He's fine. He's over there. <laughs> but I was having a conversation with him, and he, and he mentioned this soccer player from a team that we, that, that we follow. He mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who he is. He's like, what? You don't know who he is? And I'm like, no, I, I don't. I, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't? And he's like, he's like making me feel bad. <laughs> like, so then I was like, well, do you know who Gamelio is? He's like, no, who is he? He's the guy that Paul studied under. You don't know who he is? <laughs> and I'm having a conversation with him, and we had this whole conversation about being passionate about the word of God, being passionate about the things of God. And the problem is that I feel like there are people who know more about other things than the word of God. And I don't think that's okay. God forbid that we know all the players in our favorite sports teams and we can't name the Ten Commandments. You can say their names, say their height, how much they weigh, what school they went to. But you can't talk about the names of the disciples. Some of you guys, we read the scripture where Jesus says, and the son of perdition, right? The one you where you see, which one's the one? The one that we, um, where's it at? Oh, yeah, there he goes. He says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. And he says, I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Some of you guys don't know who that is. <laughs> you don't know who the son of destruction was. That scripture might be fulfilled. What scripture? More than just trivia. More than just saying, you know what, I'm able to answer these questions. Because here's the deal. Most of you guys would take that sermon and go home and practice your Ten Commandments, right? Because pastor's going to ask me one of these days, man. He's going to come up to me. He's going to be like, what's the Ten Commandments? You know, like, what's the, yeah. the disciples? What are the, more than that. But how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. You guys ever driven on a highway and you can't see the lanes? So you don't know which side to be on? How can, I, how can I choose a lane if I can't see the lanes? How can you, with your whole heart, seek you? Let me not wander. How can you not wander if you, can't know, if you don't know the commandments? I have stored up your word in my heart. You know what that means? That means memorization. That means when hell comes against you, you know what to quote. You don't have to depend on a data connection to pull up Google. I've stored it in my heart. What word are you, are you studying right now? What scripture are you trying to decipher? I was going to preach another sermon called Bible Origami. In the book of Psalms, David says, I unfold your word. And that's an incredible statement, the picture, that I read these things and I begin to unfold it. I begin to study it. I begin to try to look into it. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's preemptive. 
That's being prepared. That's not coming up and, and, and saying, you know what, I'm going to try to. No, you know. You see evil from afar. And you store it. You have it in there. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. This word statutes is another word for laws. He said, God, teach me was a law for you. What is something that's permanent? What is something that you have drawn a, a hard line on? Teach me that. Verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. What an incredible statement. He says, with my mouth, with my lips, I will declare the rules of your mouth. I will speak what you speak. I will talk the way you talk. Your word is in here. It's right here. This is what I talk about. This is what I meditate on. You know, every once in a while I get to walk around the church and hear the conversations that are going on. <laughs> You think I'm just walking around. <laughs> but one of the things we made at a point with my friends, and we can talk about all kinds of stuff. Me and my friends, we like sports. We like men's stuff. We can talk about guns. We can talk about all kinds of stuff, right? We can do everything. But one of the things we made it a point about, or made it a point to, is to speak about the things of God. And that helps us. I'm not saying be super religious, you know. I'm not saying, like, be around and always bouncing on your toes and the fellowship and, you know, and your voice changes. And you know, <laughs> what Pastor Greg says, he's speaking King James. You know, <laughs> not, not speaking about that. But that there are moments where that's what comes out of you, you know. And, and we made it a point, but to be very, very honest with you, it's an overflow of our heart anyway. Talk about those things. There's, there's a problem when you don't talk about the things of God. So I want to encourage every person in this place. You're struggling. You're struggling with sin. You got something you're fighting. I want to make it very practical to you. I want to challenge you to open your Bible and read the Word of God. Make it a habit, but specifically read about what you're struggling about. You know, there was a time in my ministry... I really felt I was struggling with wisdom. So I made it a point. I read a chapter of Proverbs every single day. I, just, I was trying to find wisdom. There was a time I was struggling. When I was a young disciple, there was issues in my mind I was struggling with. I was trying to break free from something. I began to read. Read. Say with me, read. I want to create a culture in our church of reading not only reading the word of God but read books begin to learn educate yourself right begin to grow and I get it you know we're, we're from the branch <laughs> we went to spring SBISD and it wasn't the greatest education ever it was better than Jersey Village but I mean it was it was just one of those things you know it's just it's, it's just what it is <laughs> But we're past that now. And we're men and women of God. There's no excuse anymore. 
that we should open our minds and be able to seek the word of God and be able to learn and become better people by simply allowing things to be stored into our hearts. The word heart here is not an organ, it's not a muscle. It's speaking about a place where your thoughts and your emotions meet. Will you store scripture there? Will you read your Bible every single day? Pick up a book and begin to read. Every single person in this place, I believe, God will help you. You will be amazed at how much deliverance and freedom is at your control when you read the word of God. When you're able to store it in your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise together, church. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks about there's a time for everything. There are times for fellowshipping. There are times for having fun. But there's also times where we take care of business and it has to be serious. And you should have a moment in your day. Every single day. That you're reading the word of God. To store it in you. So that with that one day, that one sin that comes, you're able to withstand it. You're here in this place, you're not saved, you're not right with God. In essence, it's purity that you're struggling with, but today you're going to make a choice. I want to get right, I want to get saved, you want to get salvation done right now. Quickly, that's you, would you raise your hand in this place? Hallelujah. Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. Maybe you've been neglecting your devotion to God. By devotion, I mean your time separated to him every day. You've been neglecting reading your word. You've been neglecting praying, and it's just not enough. You justify it by, by saying a few little things or reading a few verses, and somewhere in your mind you justify it somehow. I want to exhort you tonight and say that somewhere... That's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you because it's for you. When you read the word of God, you're, what you're doing is you're storing things up in your heart. You can tell when somebody reads his word. Don't remember if it was C.S. Lewis or D.L. Moody. I think it was actually Charles Spurgeon. He said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody that isn't. That somewhere there is this correlation between somebody that has dominion, that has the authority, that has the deliverance, the purity, to reading the Word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it with your word. It's your word. It's your word. Let's stand up to our feet here tonight. Let's all stand up to our feet. Let's come to this altar. Let's come talk to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Let's come make some decisions. 
Come speak to God tonight. Hallelujah. We're going to sing out this song tonight.